Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today we began a new series on grace and truth. You know, the goal of Christianity is to become more Christ-like. And I think the Bible gives the greatest description of Christ-likeness when it gives us the description of Jesus in John 1, 14. It says he was filled with grace and truth. In this series, we're going to talk about what it means for Christians to be all grace, all truth. You know, Jesus was not at times grace or at times truth. He was always grace and truth. And we're going to talk about that balance. We're going to see how we can get that balance in our own lives. And oh, what a tremendous effect it's going to have for the gospel in the lives of all of those around us. I hope you enjoy this new series on grace and truth. Well, we're going to be today in John chapter 1, verse 14. I want to talk to you about this set of scriptures. Uh, we'll look, we'll just peek into verse 12 and 13 and 14, but I want to zero in on grace and truth today. I want to talk to you about what it means to develop in our own lives and within our church, but particularly within our own individual lives. I want to talk about what it means to really develop Christ-likeness in the form of grace and truth, okay? Many Christians are truth-oriented but lack grace. Many Christians are grace-oriented but lack truth. What the Scriptures teach us was that Jesus Christ was filled with grace and truth. He wasn't 50% some and 50% the other. He was 100% grace, 100% truth. And when you and I understand this concept, when you and I get this principle, when God shows us this truth and we begin to apply it into our everyday life, let me share with you, my wonderful friends, it transforms our walk with Christ. It changes the way we think and it changes the way we act. It changes the way we see the Word of God. It changes the behavior that we give to other people. Christ-likeness in the form of grace and truth. You know, many churches today, they're filled with grace, but they lack truth. Have you ever seen churches like that? Many churches are heavy truth, but they lack grace. We're going to see the difference today. Christians that are heavy in grace, but they lack truth, well, they, have, they often pollute the gospel. And it's not the true gospel. Churches that emphasize truth, but not enough grace, they push people away from the gospel. They breed, in, they breed legalism and self-righteousness. Oh, Lord. Anybody ever been around those kinds of Christians? Ooh. How do you get the perfect blend? How do you get the mixture? How do you get the right balance of grace and truth? That's our subject today. Look with me at John chapter 1, verse 12. I want you to notice that verse. 
It says that he came to his own and his own received him not, but to as many as did receive him, did he give the right or the power to be the sons of God, <coughs> to be the children of God. Friends, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what the gospel of Jesus Christ truly is? In our culture, in our society here, many people really don't understand the gospel. If, if I were to ask you, please tell me what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, most people would just say, well, I found the Lord. But that's not the gospel. That's not the true gospel. Many people would say, well, you know, I invited Jesus Christ to come inside my life and I got saved. But well, that's not the true gospel. Do you realize that the word gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ? You realize that if people, if people are to truly receive the good news, you realize they first have to hear the bad news. And the bad news is, is that sin is such a calamity upon our lives. Sin is such a disaster. Sin is so devastating that it doesn't make people bad. It makes us dead to the point that we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. But do you know what the gospel is? The gospel is that Jesus Christ came to this earth. He died, was buried, and rose again. For what purpose? That he might bring the life of God inside of us. That we who were dead in our sins, our heart would begin to beat with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And it made us come alive with Jesus. Every single month, I get the high high privilege to preach the gospel to the people of Pakistan every single month. The team there will set up speaker systems and a huge large screen and they'll call me on Skype and I'll hold a phone as far out as I can and sometimes they have to say left, 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 right, right, because I can't see. <laughs> but they can see me and on that through that Skype call and with an interpreter, I'll preach, I'll herald, I'll proclaim, I'll trumpet out the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that land that is dominated by Islam, that land that is dominated by pagan gods and Buddhism, that land that is just rampant with witchcraft and witch doctors, I'm able to tell those precious people of all religions, of all the world, it is man trying to seek after God. But do you know what sets Christianity apart? Do you know what makes the gospel, the good news, the best news you'll ever hear? It's not, a, it's not man trying to seek God, trying to forgive our own sin. The gospel is God coming after man in that while we were yet sinners, Christ loved us and he died for us. Amen? And every month, hundreds upon hundreds hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. Every month, this church sends $300 a month worth of Bibles to those precious new believers. Amen? Amen? Can I gossip about a local church for a moment? 
Can I tell you some news about a church? We walked out to the mailbox this week. And our wonderful brothers and sisters, our wonderful friends at Crossroads United Methodist. The church in Allendale, you know what I'm talking about? Off the corner of Netherland Inn and Stone Drive. We went to the mailbox and there was a $1,500 check for Bibles for Pakistan Christians. Amen. Isn't that so beautiful? It's not churches being territorial. No, it's the kingdom of God coming together. Amen. It's amazing. It's amazing. And see, when Christians and when churches get it right, when the gospel is our focus, the gospel spreads as God intended it to spread. The gospel. He came to His own, and His own received Him not. But to, many, but to as many as did receive Him. Are we in that category? Are we among those people? To them gave He the right See, do you realize today you have the right to pray? <laughs> you have the right to approach the throne of God. Come on now. You with me right now? Because the Holy Spirit's going to minister to some people. I can feel it in my heart. There's some of you, you'll pray for everybody, but you won't pray for yourself. You feel ashamed when you pray for yourself. You feel like it's self-centeredness. You feel like it's self-serving if you ask God to help you. But no, let me tell you, my friend, you're a child of God. You have every right in the universe to approach God Almighty. Amen? You have every right to ask for forgiveness of sins. You have every right to ask God to help you in your weaknesses. You have every right to ask you, ask God to pull you through temptation or to pull you through trials. You have every single right to come before God Almighty. Amen. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14 with me. Oh, I love this now. Notice what he says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. What are we talking about right now? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you realize that the word of God is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Amen. That's why Jesus said the word of God is eternal. That's why Jesus said every jot and every tittle will last for all of eternity. You know what Jesus meant when he said every jot and every tittle? It means every stroke of a pen. It means that every dotted I and every crossed T will endure for all of eternity. Because the word, the Logos, the word is God. Amen. Amen. That's why when Jesus Christ returns... The Bible says that when Christ comes physically to the earth at His second coming, the Bible says that He will ride on a white horse. And do you know what's written on the thighs of that white horse? What's written on the thigh is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And do you know what else is written according to Revelation? The Word of God. Amen? The Word of God. Can you imagine what it's going to be when Christ comes again and we are with Him? The armies of heaven and we return with the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Can you imagine? Uh, can I follow a rabbit trail for a moment? Will you give me room just to get off track for a second? I, w- I was thinking, what in the world are news outlets going to say when what the Bible calls harpazo? That's the Greek term. Harpazo for the catching away, for the rapture of the church. Harpazo, what a beautiful word. Just say it with me. Harpazo. Harpazo. That's the rapture. That's the catching up of God's people. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen. Doesn't scripture say encourage one another with this? As you see the, the day drawing near, lift up your heads as your redemption draweth near. And, and, and what, what, what's, what do you think CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and all this mess, what do you think they're going to say when the harpazo takes place? What are they going to say when according to the word of God, when the armies of the earth gather in the valley of Megiddo for the great battle of Armageddon, what are they going to say when Christ returns? How are they going to explain it? You know, you know, you know I, I was just thinking about this. This fall, I was listening to a news report that scientists are closer than they've ever been to opening a black hole in space. I'll be honest, I don't care if they do it or not. This world is not my home. I could care less. But wouldn't that be interesting if they do? Wouldn't it be a very good explanation for what happens when the harpazo takes place? And in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we are changed from here to there. Amen? Amen. Anyways, that's off track. That's not even in my notes. Amen? All that's free. All right. Where am I? Oh, the Word of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You see, friends, this is what makes the Gospel so unique. This is what makes the Gospel the Gospel. Now see, I I want us to think about this because in our culture, we think the gospel is that we found the Lord. Friends, do you realize we're so lost we didn't even know where to look? The lost coin didn't find itself. The lost sheep didn't find the shepherd. The shepherd came and found us. Amen? And the word became flesh. Don't ever get that wrong. The gospel is not you finding God. The gospel is God rescuing you. That's the gospel. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. The glory as the only son of the father. That's the gospel. And then look what it says. And he was filled with grace and truth. I want to talk about that for a moment. What does it mean that Jesus was filled with grace and truth? What does it mean that Christ was... It does, it does not mean... Let's, let's understand this first. It does not mean that it's like a switch that he would flip. Okay? It doesn't mean that in some incidences Jesus responded with grace 
And then in other cases, he would respond with truth. It doesn't mean that it was a switch, that at some point he was 50% grace, at some point 50% truth. No, what it means is that at all times, in every single circumstance, with every event, with every person that Jesus encountered, he was 100% grace, 100% truth. Do our lives reflect that? Odds are, like most churches, you, odds are, you are probably more truth-oriented than you are grace-oriented. Or you are more grace-oriented than you are truth-oriented. And to be one over the other compromises the gospel. It undermines the true work that God desires to do. Now, I mean, let's just get real for a minute. You've all seen churches that are heavy grace but low on truth, right? Those types of Christians, those types of churches, they compromise the gospel. It's not the true gospel. It, it breeds moral indifference. And, and what it does, it pollutes the true gospel of Jesus Christ. And ultimately, even though they think they're doing well, they push people away from the gospel. Whereas churches that are heavy truth and lack grace, they also pollute the true gospel. They breed self-righteousness. They breed legalism. And what does it do? It pushes people away from the gospel. Let me ask you a question. Why is it that when Jesus walked to the earth, sinners were so attracted to Him that they would tear the roof off of buildings to get to Him? And why is it that today sinners oftentimes will jump out of windows to get away from us? Why is that? Could it be that we are lacking this truth of being filled with truth and grace together? You have to have one over the other. Now, don't misunderstand. This is not a paradox. You know, a paradox is an apparent contradiction, right? But see, the truth is, grace with truth is not a contradiction at all. It's a fulfillment of Jesus. And when your heart and when your thinking, when your life is so filled with the Jesus of the Gospels, you're going to be filled with grace and truth. Amen? And is that not what the world so desperately needs? Is that not what we need more than anything in our lives? Grace and truth? See, you and I live in a world. Our world has suffered immensely from this pandemic. And as we begin to enter a post-pandemic world, see, you and I need to understand something as Jesus followers. You and I, we need to understand that people are more Grace-starved, people are more truth-starved than ever before. We live in a grace-starved, truth-starved, hungry world. And the greatest need that people have is this grace-filled, this truth-filled Jesus. And the answer that God has given the world is the gospel that's in these jars of clay. That means you 
represent Jesus to the world. Are we doing that with grace and truth? Or are we heavy on truth, low on grace, or heavy on grace and low on truth? If you and I are going to represent Jesus the way we're supposed to, we must have both. You take a bird with only one wing. You take a broken wing and only one wing, no bird can fly, right? It takes two wings for a bird to fly. And the gospel flies on grace and truth. You cannot separate them. They are both essential and they are both vital. And if you and I are going to represent Jesus to a grace-starved, truth-starved world, it requires grace and truth in our life. Go with me for a moment to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 20. In the 9 a.m., I asked everyone to turn to Galatians chapter 6 verse 20. And someone very politely spoke up and said, there's not a Galatians 6.20. <laughs> I'm glad they did that. Because it's Ephesians chapter 6 verse 20. I want you to note this scripture in your Bibles. What a beautiful Scripture this is of the great Apostle Paul. Paul says of himself that he is an ambassador in what does your Bible say? In chains. Now, friends, this is highly significant. And I want you to note this because it will change your perception of this Scripture. Paul says that he is an ambassador in Change. Do you realize that in Paul's day, ambassadors that would represent a powerful king or ambassadors that would represent a powerful empire, do you know what they were known for? They were known for thick chains of gold around their necks and wrists. And as a matter of fact, the larger your chains were, the larger your gold necklaces or your gold bracelets were, the thicker and the larger they were meant the more wealthy and the more powerful your empire was. Scholars think this is exactly what Paul meant when he was imprisoned in Rome, writing the book of Ephesians, and when Paul was literally chained to a Roman guard. Do you know what Paul's perception was? I am an ambassador in chains. Just as ambassadors wore thick golden chains to represent their wealth of their kingdom or empire. So Paul wore the prison chains with honor representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're talking about the right perspective in life. Amen. Now I want you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Will you turn there with me? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20. Turn or browse, right? I remember some few years ago when I was speaking to our middle and high school students, I had eyesight at that time, and they had the lights dim in that service, and I was preaching, and I said, turn in your Bibles to whatever, and all these faces just glowed. <laughs> they were all using their devices. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. What does Paul tell us? Listen to the words. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. If you enjoyed today's broadcast and would like to hear more great content, you can always download our free mobile app, Awaken to Grace, where you can request prayer, find sermons, articles, blogs, music, podcasts, as well as support us financially. You can also visit either of our websites at www.preachingchristchurch.com or www.awakentograce.com for more information about our church or our resource ministry. Thank you for listening to Awaken to Grace.